Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. And definitely check out those shows as well. Bye.
Also, just a quick note that submissions for the Zibby Awards are open and will close on September 15th. Go to zibbyowens.com and you will find the Zibby Awards open submissions where we celebrate all the under-celebrated parts of a book, like the best spine, the best author's note, the best table of contents. And authors can nominate their own best publicists, best editors, and so on. There will be an in-person award ceremony in October in New York. You will not want to miss it. Go to zibbyowens.com. Miriam Parker is the author of Room and Board, a novel. Miriam worked in book publishing for more than 20 years and is currently the VP and associate publisher of Echo. She has an MFA in creative writing from UNC Wilmington and a BA in English from Columbia University. Her short stories have been published in the Florida Review and 14 Hills. She lives in Brooklyn with her husband, her daughter, and her spaniel, Leopold Bloom. Oh, there you are. Hi, I'm sorry. I just froze. Yeah, weird. No worries. I would never have sort of had the audacity to meet somebody at a summer program or school or anything and be like, okay, let's go have dinner. What do you think? You know? I know. Well, I think that she, I mean, in some ways she forgets that they're kids a little bit at the beginning. I think she's like, oh, like, this is what I do. I like meet a new person and we go out for dinner. And I think as she's kind of having dinner with this girl, she's like, oh, I'm the grown up in this situation. (laughs) And I think that's actually kind of a weird thing that it happens to you at some point in your life. You're like, oh no, I'm the more responsible one. Like, what do I do now? (laughs) And that kind of changes, you know, she changes throughout the book to realize like, oh, I've got to like actually help these girls. Like I need to be the grown up in this situation. Yeah. Whatever that means. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I do think she starts to realize like she needs to have more boundaries. (laughs) Yes. Which makes total sense. What made you want to revisit this time of life and boarding school campus and all of that? Well, I didn't go to boarding school, but I always wanted to go to one. And I sort of, you know, would always kind of like, you know, there was always this kind of moment with my parents and I was like, can I just get out of here? You know? (laughs) And it was so that was always a dream. And I love the secret history and, you know, boarding school novels in general. So when I was thinking about what, you know, my next book was going to be, I was like, I'm not sure what the plot is going to be, but I know it has to be set at a boarding school. So that was a really fun setting because also everyone is kind of trapped together. And so they have to kind of deal with each other and like get out of the scenarios that, you know, come to them with, you know, using their own resources. Yes, totally. Wait, tell me what, what was your high school experience like? So I grew up in Westchester. I went to, um, I went to, I'm from Hastings on Hudson and I went to Hastings High School. And actually, you know, my experience is like pretty opposite from Jillian's. I mean, I went to the same school from kindergarten to senior year of high school. There were 80 kids in my class. We all knew each other. We knew everything about each other. You know, we knew each other's parents. We knew each other's grandparents, you know? (laughs) So it was definitely like a pretty like, it was insular in that way, but you know, we all lived at home and a lot of the experiences, some of the experiences that Jillian has are based a little bit on when I went to college, I went to Columbia and like going to Columbia was like a pretty eye-opening experience for me. Like I had just never met people who are so different from me, you know, royalty, you know, like, <laughs> who are these people? You know? So that was definitely an experience for me. Like, oh my goodness, like the world is much bigger than Hastings on Hudson. You know? Yes. Although I grew up in New York City and my high school also had like 89 people in my graduating class. And yeah. by the end, we knew a lot about each other too. So it doesn't matter, small town, big town, you know, when your community seems very small, that's what makes all the difference, I feel like. So tell me how you got to end up being publisher at Echo. Like, where, so what was your whole career tra- trajectory and how did you, when did, how did writing and books play into your whole timeline? 
So I actually was a reader first, 100%. You know, I um, was an English major in college and I really lucked into a job after I graduated from college over 20 years ago in publishing, um, mostly because I loved books. And also I had at the time was building websites. And so I got a job building websites for what is now Hachette Book Group, but was called Time Warner Trade Publishing back then. And it was a really cool job. I like got to build websites for Sidney Sheldon and Walter Mosley and James Patterson. And, and I was 21 years old, you know, and um, so that was a really cool experience. And so, but in my early 20s, what I really missed was kind of that reward that you get from like going to school, basically. So mm-hmm. I started taking writing classes on the side, just as a thing, because I was like, I want, I still want that engagement. I want that you know, creative outlet that I hadn't written really that much in college. But once I started working in publishing and meeting writers, I was like, oh, like maybe I could do this. So so I kind of had like a braided path. Like I always worked in publishing, but I did get an MFA when I was starting when I was 25. So, um, but I worked all the in publishing all the way through the time that I was getting my MFA. So, so when I came back from my MFA, I was able to, you know, step right back in and become the marketing director for Mulholland Books um, and help launch that imprint. So that was kind of like the trajectory towards uh, becoming the associate publisher of Echo, being the marketing director for a number of different imprints at Little Brown. And then when this position opened, I I came to Echo about um, seven years ago. Wow. So as associate publisher, what's your, like, what's your job like? What are your days like? So every day is different, but my I'm, I have my fingers in all the pots of Echo, basically. Um, my main responsibilities are to oversee marketing and publicity and our relationship with sales. So like at 10 o'clock, I have a meeting with our sales team to you know talk about our fall books. But I also weigh in on acquisitions, you know, and, and sort of think about the business side of acquisitions. And I, I do a lot of research for comps. You know, just talking about like how, how and how vision for how are we going to publish this book? How are we going to take the book that the editors, you know, make perfect and bring it out into the world um, and find the audience for it? So it's a really fun job. You know, I sort of like keep the trains running on time and um, I'm involved in a lot of the like production and inventory and stuff like that, which I think is actually super interesting and fun. So this is a silly question. So did Echo publish your book? No. So Dutton is my publisher. And actually, I'm so, so glad that like my publisher is completely separate from my job. <laughs> it's part of Penguin Random House and I work at HarperCollins. So I think, um, and actually I've never worked at Penguin Random House. I've worked at Hachette and I've worked at HarperCollins. So I don't know the sales force. Like I can't go and like dig around in the <laughs> systems and figure things out. So, which I think is better. Like, you know, my experience as an author is, is very pure, is as pure as it could be for someone who works in book publishing. So I let my team at Dutton handle it. Like, I think they're experts. They're super good at their job. And I always like to say, like, I know that even though they're not emailing me, like they're working on my book. So which I'm sure you know, as a publisher, like there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that authors may or may not know about, you know, and maybe it's better if they don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want our authors to like see, but it's like a series of Zooms. You know what I mean? Like I wish we were all in a room where somebody could be a fly on the wall or we could film it or we could let, you know, but it's so, I don't know. I I mean, our team is all over the place. So it's not like that same going into work and seeing what's happening thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But I think so much, I mean, so much of what I do actually has to do with like the books that are in a warehouse in a place that I've never been, you know? Or, yep. you know, or like getting them off the trucks and into the, you know, and like, you know, into cartons and into distribution and things like that. So, you know, a lot of it is, is really invisible to even to me. So I'm just like, what does that place look like? 
So do you take sort of your own marketing publicity approach from Echo and then apply certain things to your own book marketing? And if so, like, what are some of the things that you feel like you're doing that have been most successful that like other authors out there should think about doing? Well, one thing I will say that I always tell authors and is to do the things that feel the best for you. Like I would never force someone to get on Twitter if like it didn't feel comfortable to them if it wasn't a, you know, a natural thing for them. So I happen to love Instagram. I think it's really fun. I'm on there all day long. Um, so I've been posting a lot of my content on Instagram. But like, I don't know how to use TikTok. Like I just can't, I don't know what to do. And I'm afraid of making videos. And so I think that I mean, I've, I've, I've like dabbled and I'm like, I just am not that good at this. So I'm not really I'm not pursuing that. Although I'm totally in awe of the people who are good at it, you know. So my advice really to myself and also I think to other authors is that do what you like best and that's where you're going to be successful because if you push yourself to do something that you're not good at, like people are going to be able to tell. So I'm I'm in the same exact boat. I feel very comfortable on Instagram. I get it. It makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. And TikTok, I'm like, this is, this is not good. This is not pretty, you know, (laughs) Um, but hats off to people who can master everything. I mean, that's, you know, but everybody has to pick and choose. There's only so much time in the day. (laughs) It's true. Um, Yeah. In terms of your process, when you're writing and how you approach books and how you approach plot and escalation and conflict and character and all that stuff, tell me just, so I assume you learned a bunch of it at your MFA program, but how do you put all that into practice? And when you set out to start a project, how do you approach it? Well, I actually like to think of books actually a little bit in terms of movies. Like I love the move. I love a move, classic movie structure, a three act structure. And so I tend to think about book plotting that way. I did approach this book a little bit differently. My first book, I just wrote it and like it was chaos. And this book was also chaotic in a different way, but I did decide to write actually like a treatment of it. And before I wrote it, it wasn't an outline. It was more like a narrative, like five or six page just description of the beats in the book and all the things that were going to happen, which is something that I saw uh, like a film company do. And I was like, you know what? I think this is a good way for me to figure out what's going to happen in the book without me thinking the writing is boring. Because I think that if you have like a really strict outline, then writing is just kind of filling in the blanks. And that's not fun for me. Like I want to feel a little, you know, like I don't know exactly what's going to happen here. But I liked having a little bit of a roadmap that was kind of narrative that was like when I was stuck, I'd be like, oh, let me go check my go check my treatment and see what it says I should do. (laughs) So that was a good way to approach it. And I will say that this book got revised really heavily. And the first draft, the the subplot of like the scandal that happens at the Mm -hmm. school was different. So I had to go back and change the subplot. So a lot of things changed, you know, in the revision process, which I actually really love. Like I kind of love the, the thing about fiction that someone can say like, well, what if this happens instead of this? Like, you know, what if it's a financial scandal? And I was like, oh yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense. So we, so it had been kind of like a me too kind of a scandal, which sort of echoed too much with her backstory. And we were like, no, it's better if it's a financial scandal. So I had, but I really had to go back and change a lot of things to make sure that that all made sense. And so throughout the different drafts you're reading, you're like, oh, I caught another thing, you know, (laughs) that was like, you know, part of that old plot. Right. Oh my gosh. Never ends. That uh, it's like surgery, right? It's like making sure everything is sewn together just right. And yeah, I actually described it a little bit like a construction project. Like I was like, I need to take this whole 
book of building a part. And then, and like when it's a part, you're like, I'm not sure I can put it back together. I'm a little bit afraid of it. And then you kind of put it back together and then you're like, oh, I did it. And then they're like, oh, can you change this too? And you're like, oh, God, I have to take it apart again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The dreaded notes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I never used to like that. Even at school, I was like, no, my paper's fine. Like, I don't need to revise it. I, this grade, I'll take this grade. That's close enough. You know, like, yeah. But then I think the worst part is like just knowing that the notes are right. You know, like at least for me, you know, it could get, they could, it, it, it would be better if I did X, Y, Z. And right. oh, okay, I guess yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> I think, I mean, you know, it's stressful when you get the notes, but I will say I've found it's really lovely to have a really good editor. I mean, having a really good editor is like such a gift, you know? So, and I actually had my, my agent is also a very good editor. So my agent and my editor both weighed in and also their assistants weighed in, which I really appreciated because they are younger and they actually gave really, really good notes on, you know, especially on the, on the kids and to make sure that they were, um, like I was writing them the right way. So yes. Market research. Always good. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So I'm curious what your parents did growing up because your sister Beth is a is a pub, literary publicist. Yeah. You are a publisher and author. Tell me, like, what do you have other siblings? First of all, or no? The two. No, it's just us two, and we both work in publishing, which is like I think pretty remarkable. We're not there aren't that many of us siblings in publishing. Um, we, uh, you know, the Garnett sisters <laughs> as well. So my dad was a teacher and he was an elementary school principal, um, like for most of my childhood. And my mom actually is a scientist. She, her background is in laboratory work and she always worked in hospitals and labs and eventually actually became sort of like a computer consultant helping, helping laboratories install software. So um, she's definitely like the tech element of our family. But there were always books around when I was growing up. There were always, I, we, I was always writing, you know, I wrote little stories in notebooks and, you know, filled up computer floppy disks and stuff with stories starting when I was probably, you know, seven or eight years old. So 
I've always been kind of a reader and a writer. And I was, I was thinking yesterday about the time that, you know, I used to love the Babysitter's Club and I would just like devour those books. And finally, my mom was like, you have to read something else. Like you have to stop reading the Babysitter's Club. But I loved them, you know, and I think in some ways, you know, a, like a desire for like those readable plots that just move really fast. And, you know, you get to know the characters really closely, like in a lot of ways, you know, I like to say that Little Women is my influence, but honestly, it's the Babysitter's Club, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I somehow missed the Babysitter's Club growing up. I was more like Little House on the Prairie and Sweet Valley High and maybe, I don't know. I just missed it. Yeah. I loved Sweet Valley High. Those are really good. They were good. I mean, they were twins. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, growing up, I was like, wow, all these books have these glamorous twins. Like I want twins. And then I had twins and I'm like, this is not at all glamorous. This is really hard. (laughs) I, being a mom to twins, I just can't even imagine. Like I have one daughter and I just like, if there were two of her, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be two of her. I mean, I guess <laughs> the the blessing of having, or the benefit, not really a blessing. The benefit is like, no matter how frustrated you are with someone, you could always go to the next one. For <laughs> That's not like your whole sample set, right? You have other... Right other input. So um, I'm kidding, but I mean, I'm not actually kidding. So in terms of what you like to read yourself, what's like on your nightstand right now? Well, it's, you know, I, what I read is such a wide variety that I, it's kind of, and that's actually like the best thing about working in publishing is you are aware of everything that's being published and like, what's really interesting. So like right now, the audiobook I'm listening to is Ed Young's book, An Immense World, which is so good and like so interesting. And I like learned something about my dog and I'm learning things about spiders and super interesting. And I just finished reading physical form um, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zeven, which like, I just cannot stop. Oh my gosh. I have to read this book. Literally everybody, bestseller, everyone I know is recommending it. I bought it. I have to read it. I have to read it. It will bring I have to, you so I much have to joy. try to schedule her so that I force <laughs> myself to read her. <laughs> I think she's really interesting and she's written a bunch of books and some YA and I'm, and the, the research she did for this book is really interesting. Like, not to be the publicist for Gabrielle Zeven, but I love her. Like, I'm that book is amazing. So, so I love her. And then, um, you know, I'm also I also just finished reading Crying in H Mart, which I know came out a couple years ago, but I just finally got to read it after everyone had recommended it to me, and it's so lovely, you know, and made me hungry, which is another quality I like in a book. I have to admit, I have not read that book either, and I know I will love it. I don't you know will. if I'm saving it. I have that one too, and I just keep waiting. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but anyway. Yeah. That one might be a good audio, actually. I don't know. Do you ever do Ooh, audio yeah, like when I you're do. driving or walking? Yeah. Yes. That's a great idea. I have been I've, almost completely sedentary this summer, so I will. when I go back to dropping my kids at school and walking home, I'll start doing that. That's a good yeah. September project. Thank you. I love non I love nonfiction and audio. Like if I'm gonna, you know, like read a memoir or like, you know, a book like Ed's, like having Ed Young read to you is amazing. <laughs> I know. It's like being told a bedtime story. Yeah. It's like less book and more just like, okay, tell me your about your life. Like let's mm-hmm. talk and I'll just listen. Yeah. Like a conversation that requires literally no work. <laughs> Right, exactly. Someone not knowing they're actually in a conversation with me because it's not, but I'll just pretend. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, those are on my my wish list as well. And what about your upcoming books for Echo? Is there anything you want to plug or you're excited about? Oh, well, we have such good stuff coming up for Echo. We are publishing Elizabeth McCracken's autofiction book, The Hero of This Book, um, which I think you know about. Yeah, I did. I'm excited. Oh. 
it is so good. It, it will like the afternoon when I read that book was like one of those perfect afternoons. I like did not move off of my couch for three hours that. and I oh just gosh. read it and wept and laughed. And it's a story about, it's a mother daughter story. And she is the, she's just an amazing writer. And she tells the story like so sensitively, but also like, like puts in these little details about how she wrote the book. Like as you read it, mm. just, amazing. And then we're also publishing Kevin Wilson this fall. And he is an author who I just adore. And his new book is called Now is Not the Time to Panic, which is applicable in many ways. And it's also it's a great coming of age story of two and the way that it's about like the impact that art has um, on the world and about, about, you know, a, a poster that kind of goes viral before that existed. So he's lovely and everyone should read Kevin Wilson all the time and it'll make them happy. (laughs) I think I have that on the schedule too. I hope so. I think think you do. I think I do too. Okay, good. Perfect. Okay. So what other advice do you have for aspiring authors? Well, I have two pieces of advice. One of them is read everything, which I've already, it's advice I've already given. And like read nonfiction, read memoir, you know, read fiction. But if you, even if you want to write fiction, I find that reading nonfiction and memoir like really, really helps you develop characters. It helps you get ideas. Gives, it introduces you to just different, you know, ways of writing and telling stories. So th- that's my advice in terms of reading. I also think that it's important for people to know that like writing a book takes time and that it's also like not a straight line that, you know, I mean, in the, in the process of writing this book, I also wrote another book that I had to throw away. And that was a book that I had kind of sold on proposal. And when I was done with it, you know, my editor just didn't really love it. And I had to throw it away and write a new one. And like oh that, that, I mean, talk about a way to like break your heart, I'm that you're so like, I sorry. so hard on this. <laughs> you know, I've written a novel and it's like not good enough. And so, you know, even if you're a published writer, if you've already published a book, like, you know, it's not necessarily a straight line to getting to where you are. But I will say that I'm glad that I threw that book away and that this is the book that I'm, that I, that I ended up, you know, really finishing and writing and publishing because um, the story, the story is just a lot closer to my heart. And it's a little, it's just something I, I feel more passionate about. So in the end, the right thing happens, but sometimes the journey to get there is, not the easiest. You say that in such a chipper way. I had to throw out a whole novel. I'm like, the tears that would have been involved on my end for that would be, you know, would fill some jugs, I think. (laughs) I mean, it it was, I will not lie to you that it was not heartbreaking. It completely, completely was. But like, I had to, you know, I had a book deal and I had to write a book, you know, it was my job. So I think, you know, that was the other thing is like, I needed to complete the job that I had was contractually obligated to do. And I was like, I need, I want to do, I want to make, I want to write the book that they want to publish, you know? No, I get it. I get it. But I'm sorry, but I'm glad you, you worked through it and, you know, writing novels. I feel like I've talked to so many authors and it, it seems almost impossible to do without writing two other, at least two other novels, like practicing. It's, it's, it's so, counterintuitive because it takes so, so long, right? It's not just like doing a round of baseball in the backyard or something and you practice and get better. You have to like complete it, but then you have to start over. So I don't know. I I think it's, you have to be really committed, (laughs) which you know, but. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. But I do think it's funny, like knowing that you can do it, like it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe like running a mile or something like you, like once you do it, you're like, oh, I can do this. And so just writing that novel, even if it's not the novel you end up publishing, you know, like I can complete this yes. extended story. I know how to, I can, it's in me to do it. And that's, 
to me, like the first novel that I wrote when I was in grad school, which again, not published, like getting to the end of that and knowing I could do it, I was like, oh, I can't do this, you know, and that's actually the best feeling in some ways. It's better than any other feeling. What what happens to it after doesn't take away from it being a novel. You've still written yeah. a novel, whether it gets mm-hmm. published commercially or self-published or never sees the light of day, like you still did the thing. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And then last, what, when you're not busy writing and working, what do you, what do you, what do you do? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I like to eat. I like to drink wine. Um, I have a young child. So a lot of my time is like spent watching Bluey and like building forts out of pillows and like picking up very small rocks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but she's a real joy. So she's two years old and um, that's, uh, yeah, it's been like a great, you know, like watching her grow and learn in the past couple of years has actually been really, really interesting and fun. And that was a part of having a kid that I didn't really like realize. I didn't realize like how interesting they are and like how just watching them develop and learn, like how cool that is. So I really love that part of it. And like watching her, you know, acquire language and start to, you know, speak in full sentences. And now she can, you know, tell me that she's magically turning me into a cat. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's like you're putting your mom's sort of scientist brain and like watching her as like a little experiment unfolding, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, this is so fun, Miriam. We have so much in common. This is so like this whole love of publishing and writing and books and so many other things that you said. I'm like, uh-huh, me too. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 So anyway, it was really nice uh, chatting with you and feeling this sort of like kindred energy out there. But anyway, thanks for coming. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you so much. And congratulations on your book too. It's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.